Hey, it's good to be with you. Uh, I just want to reiterate what Sarah said, and maybe if you weren't in here during the announcements, that next week starts our membership class, and I would love for you to be there. My wife and I will host that at our house. Even if you were like, ah, I don't know about that, and uh, just, just come. It's two weeks, and I would love for you to be there. You can get any questions answered. You can, you can think it's the stupidest thing in the world, but if, if you're just there, at least you just cross it off your list, and then anytime we have an announcement about it, you can at least say, I already checked it out, and I thought it was lame. So at least that, okay? So I would love to have you be there. That's like the, the soft, you know, cynical cell. The positive cell is it's great, and we really want you to be an invested part of the family, and this is the way to begin moving in that direction, okay? But I'm just saying, just come. Just be there. It starts next week. It's two weeks. It's not that big of a deal. I'd love to have you there. I'd love to be able to even just get a little bit of time with you to be able to talk with you, answer, and just meet you. Sometimes on a Sunday it can be hard, so I'd love you there, so please come, okay? So two weeks, that's all it is, and it starts next Sunday. Sunday. All right, we're in a series talking about God's love, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into that together. So, Father, would you even now meet us here in this room? We each bring stuff with us into here today, and we need you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. We ask you to be here to speak to us that your word would pierce our hearts, that you would open our souls, that you would stir our affections, that we would see you in a new way. And I pray that you would allow this time to be helpful, useful for our lives. God, I, I think that a lot of times we come in here and we don't really expect much. And so I ask that, God, you would blow up any expectations that we had and that you would actually meet us in a profound way. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we, we've all got trouble in our lives, right? We've all got different difficulties. We talked about that a little bit last week, but we've all got various troubles in our lives, things that are bothering us, things that are hard, things that are difficult. Maybe you've got choices to make right now and you're not sure what to do. And that can be really hard, right? It can just be the stress of, man, I don't know what direction to go in. Maybe it's relationships that are hard for you right now. It's, it's coworkers or it's boss or it's employees or it's marriage or it's kids. And, and relationally, stuff is hard. It, it feels stressful or just troubling. Or maybe it's just kind of the, I was talking to somebody this week, it's just the juggling of all sorts of different things. It's, man, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and, and I'm, I don't know how to kind of handle it all. And, and it's hard, and, and life can feel troubling. It can feel difficult, or maybe it's even just that you want change in some ways, right? You, you look at certain patterns in your life and you go, man, I want to change these things. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want this to keep being my life. And you want to change in some different ways, but find that that is hard to do. And we can feel in over our head, right? We can just feel like, man, I'm kind of drowning. I feel in over my head. I don't know what to do. I don't necessarily even feel competent to be able to handle these things. Or maybe we can even feel like, I don't know who I can share this with or if I should share this. Or man, I don't, I don't even know if people really get it or understand. I don't know if anything will work. I've tried different things before. And here, here's what we want when life is hard. We want, well, we want it to end. That's obviously what we want. But we also want help, right? I mean, when life is hard, when you've got choices to face and you've got relationships that are difficult and you've got stuff that you're juggling and, and you want to change, we want help. I, mean, we, I, know, I know it's kind of simple, but we want help. We want friends or family or experts or, or something. We, we want 
help. Because when we feel like we have help, we feel like we can make it. Right? When, when, we, when life is difficult and life is hard, but we know, man, I've got help, then we feel like I can make it through it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever planned a trip and, and, and didn't know how to kind of put it together, or maybe you're looking at your finances and you're like, man, I don't know how to put this together, or whatever it is, and it's kind of overwhelming, but then somebody says, hey, I've done that before, and I can help you. And maybe if it's a trip and you're going somewhere and they give you their itinerary or it's your finances and it's a mess, but this is why we pay people, right? We pay people that are experts and they can come in and say, hey, you can be totally dumb when it comes to money, but I, I've gone to school and I can count and I know how to use a calculator. I know how to use the TI-84, whatever, whatever version they have now, you know, and I, and I can help you. And when that happens, we go, huh, okay, like I, I can, there's kind of a, a sigh of relief. There's a, a breath of fresh air of like, okay, life is hard, but I, I can make it. And there's this kind of light at the end of the tunnel or this hope that, okay, I, life is difficult, but I've got help, so I know I can make it. That's what we want. We want help to be able to make it through. When we have help, we know that things are possible, but it's hard to get help. It's hard to get help. Or sometimes, sometimes it's hard because we're not even sure where we need it. Right? You ever feel like, man, life is hard, it's difficult, I'm troubled, I'm... but you don't even know, like, you don't even know if you were going to go in for therapy or talk to somebody, you don't, it's just like, ah, I don't know, you know? You know stuff is wrong, but you don't even exactly know, man, I don't even know where I need help. I know I need help, but I don't even know what kind of help I need. Maybe you've had a friend that say, hey, can, is there anything I can do? And you're like, I, just you asking me that question is more trouble. Like, I don't even know how to answer it. You know, now I've got more things to think about. And you don't even know. It's just like sometimes we want help, but we don't even know where we need help. Or maybe it's hard to get help because, I mean, there's a saying, right, that good help is, it's not good help is easy to find. There's no saying that says it's good help is hard to find. Like maybe you know you need help, but it's like, man, it's hard to actually get the help that, that I need. Or maybe we just don't think it'll work. How do we get help? Whatever we're going through, whatever kind of trouble that you're experiencing, whatever kind of difficulty you're going through, help is what we need. Help is what we want. But how do we, how do we actually get the help that we need, the right kind of help, the help that actually allows us to make it through? How do we get the help that brings us sleep, the help that brings us joy, the help that brings us rest and peace? How do we get that kind of help? And what we're going to look at is a few different psalms or songs or prayers in the Bible where people are calling out to God and asking for help. And these prayers, these three different prayers that we're going to look at really help us say, how do we get the help that we need? And, and what does that even look like? So we're going to explore these together. And, and we start with just needing to ask this question, which is what kind of help do we need? What kind of help do we need? When you're in trouble, when you're feeling life's difficulty and whatever you are going through right now, what kind of help do we actually need? And here is what this psalm says. It says, a king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. And what this psalm says is when we are in trouble, our instinct, what we feel that we need and what we do need is power in some way. You got a small army, you need a big army. 
You, you're a warrior. You want more strength. You, you want a horse that's able to, to that provides safety. I, I don't know if that's because it can charge or it can run really fast or whatever it can do, but we want power. We want power, right? That's when we, when we want help, the kind of help that we need is power. The kind of help that we need is strength. And a lot of times we look for that in ourselves. So we say, okay, life is difficult, but what I need is a little bit more of me or a little bit better version of me, maybe. So when maybe whatever it is that's going on in your life right now and you think about what did you do or what have you done when you've sought help, probably Googled something, right? Say, okay, I, can, I need to figure this out. How do you do whatever it is? How do you handle whatever it is? What to do when? And go, okay, I, I need to figure this out. If I was a little bit better, a little bit smarter, a little bit stronger, a little bit more able, that's what I need. I need some power that helps me be able to figure this out. So maybe you like to read blogs and maybe our culture encourages a lot of self-help, right? So maybe you like to read books or maybe you like to uh, talk, to, get a life coach or, or somebody that helps you kind of get the strength that you need to be able to handle it. Now that, that can have some value in it, but it's limited. And so maybe it's not us. Maybe we say, you know what, you know what kind of help I need? I need power. And maybe I look for that in a better me, but maybe I look for it in something outside of me. So like the psalm is saying, the, I need a stronger army, or I need a horse, or I need something outside of me. What, what have you said? What have you filled in the blank with? With if I had this then this situation would go a lot better. If I had a little bit more money, if I had a little bit more time, if I had a little bit more clients, if I had a little bit more friends, if I had a better house, if I had a different kind of car, if I had a different kind of, um, if I had a different kind of living situation, if I had this, if there was some kind of outside resource, whether it's money or time or people or a city or, or something, if I had this, then that would give me what I need. And those things can be good, but they're limited. And what this psalm says is that the reason that they are ultimately limited is, I don't know, can you move it forward for me? There we go. Is that it's a, it's a false hope. The horse is a false hope. The army is false hope. The warrior's strength. All of these things ultimately are a false hope, which means we say, if I have this, if I have it, Hope is looking to the future, right? So if I've got this, everything's okay. And things might help you. Having a strong army might help you. A little bit more strength, a, a nice, you know, beastly horse might help you. <laughs> Not those skinny little horses. You have a big old horse, that can help. But it, it doesn't ultimately satisfy everything. It's a false hope. If you bank on those things, we know instinctively that what we need is more power, whether that's in numbers, whether it's an external thing, an internal thing. We know instinctively what we need, the kind of help that we need is power. But what this psalm is saying is when we look outside or even when we look inside, it's false hope. It's a false hope because we need a power, yes, but we need a power that's unlimited. 
We need a power. We need something greater than our abilities, which is what we sense. We say, man, my abilities can't handle this right now, so either I need more of me, a better version of me, a smarter version of me, a, a more uh, you know, enlightened version of me, or I need something outside of me to help me, some people, some armies, some horses. We, we know we need it, but we actually need even more than we think. We need a power that's unlimited which is what he is getting at here in the next part. Here's the next verse. He says, But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait for the Lord. That's the hope language, saying, What are you waiting for to happen? A better you? Some more money? Some more time? We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. You see, what it's saying is, yes, you need power. The kind of help you need is something beyond you. It's power. But you need something that is unlimited, not something that might work a little bit but then runs out, not something that you can kind of count on but won't totally go the distance. You need a power that's unlimited, which is where he says his faithful love is what we need to depend on. His faithful love will rescue us. He is our help and shield. He is our help and shield. That is the kind of power that we need, one that is unlimited. I love here in this passage that God links his love with his help. God says, I've got love for you. I've got a faithful love. And he links it with his help. If somebody says, I love you so much, say, hey, can you help me move? No. (laughs) I thought you loved me. Oh, you're probably busy, right? No, I'm not. I actually am totally free. But God says, I link my love and my help together. I love you so much, which means I am your help. Do you know how many times, do you know how many times in the Bible that God calls himself our helper? I don't know. It's a lot. I was going to count it, but I was like, this is way too much. And I even Googled it and and it was like, no one had the, so I was like, this is going to take too long because it's over and over and over and over again that God says, I am your helper. And that feels almost sometimes degrading, right? The help, or it's like, you know, this is my helper. Or if you're a parent, sometimes this is mommy's little helper, or this is daddy's. And that's sort of like this patronizing thing. But God says, I am your helper. I love you, and my love is linked with my help. See, the kind of help that we need, when we're, whatever you're going through right now, the kind of help that you need is power. And we know that. Instinctively, we know I need something beyond me. But we usually look at other resources, armies, horses, whatever it might be, or ourselves, the greater strength that the warrior needs. But he says, you need a help that is God. Nothing less than God himself is the kind of help that we need. We need power. We need power beyond ourselves, but we need an unlimited power. God says, I am a helper. I love that God reveals himself in that way to say, I am helper. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus leaves, Jesus dies, he resurrects, and he ascends. But he says, look, I know you're all freaking out. This is my paraphrase. But he says, look, I know you're all freaking out. He says, I know that you're nervous. I know that you're scared because I'm leaving and I'm Jesus. So you're kind of like, what are we going to do? And he says, but I'm going to give you a helper. 
says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit that Jesus calls him is, I'm going to send you the helper. So that for your whole life, and all the stuff that's difficult, and all the stuff that's hard, and all the stuff that I've called you to, and all the relationships that you have to navigate, and all the difficulty that you have to go through, and all the choices that you have to make, and all the balls that you have to juggle, I'm going to give you a helper. I love that God says, this is my identity. I'm a helper. The kind of help we need is power. But we don't just need power. We need care. You see, you know that when you're going through trouble, you need some ability, right? You need some power. Someone that knows what they're doing, is able to fix stuff. But you also want someone that cares. Have you ever gone to a doctor or I was at the dentist not long ago and the, the hygienist was like, I don't think she was intentionally doing this, but my, the little poker thing was jabbed into my tongue two different times. And I'm like, you don't. You might know what you're doing, but you're clearly not really like, oh, I'm gently, you know, scraping your teeth. It was just like, ugh, in my tongue. And I'm like, oh, I can't even say, please stop, because my mouth's open and I'm like, on the table. I hate going to dentist. <laughs> so I actually have the name of that girl that was the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hate going to the dentist because I don't floss, so I'm always like bleeding like I'm a freaking vampire buffet or something. It's disgusting. So, um, anyways, you want someone that cares for you. You want someone that cares, not just someone that has ability, but somebody that cares, right? You want someone that actually cares. Sometimes this is the complaint that wives have against husbands. Rightly so. I'm not saying like, oh, those wives, you know, is that, hey, you just want to fix stuff, right? You just want to fix things. And maybe they actually have the ability to fix it. Maybe they actually have some good advice or some things that might actually change it. They actually have an ability, some power that might help it. I'm not saying that's always true. But maybe they do. But it doesn't matter if there's not the actual care that goes along with it. Because when we want help, we need a help that has power, but we also want a help that cares. We want power and passion. We want a power and a compassion or a care for us. That's what we want. We want to be seen. Right? We want to be seen. Like when you're going through something hard, you want people to see it. That's why a lot of times we post it on Facebook. Isn't it funny? If you scroll through Facebook, you basically see a couple, three things. A bunch of political stupid stuff. Number one. Number two, a bunch of children. That's... Like, you know, that's great. People's babies and look at my child did this. And especially right now it's back to school and all that stuff, right? And then the third thing you see is people saying, look at this that happened to me. And I know it's, that's a little simplistic, but a lot of it is, look at what happened. I got in this car accident. Look at what happened. I, look at my scar, you know, look at, look at this. Look at, let me tell you about the day I had today. Or I can't believe that some people do this. Or look at my, you know, it's, it's we want people to see the difficulty that we're having, right? We want people to see, and if, even if you're not on social media, maybe you text somebody, maybe you share something that you, you want people to see the stuff that you're going through that's hard because we want them to care. We want to be seen. People even say the phrase a lot of times. Like when, when people are struggling, a lot of times I hear this with kind of um, victims on the news or systemic injustice things where you might hear somebody say, hey, we see you. Right? Have you heard that phrase to say, hey, we, we see you. We see what you're going through. Because that's what we want. We want someone that sees 
us. And look what God says. This is the, the next psalm. <clears throat> well, look what David prays. He says, I will rejoice and be glad in your faithful love. Again, linking his love to his help because you have seen my affliction. You know the troubles of my soul and have not handed me over to the enemy. You have set my feet in a spacious place. He says, you have seen my affliction. That's what we want, right? We want a help that can actually do something, but we also want a help that cares and to know that people see it. And what this prayer is saying, what, what this writer is saying is that God sees our affliction. He sees your affliction. Not everybody in this room sees your affliction. Maybe you've shared it with some people. Maybe you've shared parts of it with some people, but not all of it. He says, you have seen my affliction. The stuff happening to you, the stuff that has happened to you, this look, and sometimes it's complicated, right? Even if you were going to try to explain to somebody, you're like, well, this happened, but, but there's also this thing going on and, and this, and, and it's, you're trying to, if you were to put the pieces together, it would be like, man, it's this giant mass of affliction. And it's hard to even connect all the dots or explain it all. And it says, God sees the affliction. That's what we want. We want a help that can actually do something. And we want a help that cares. And it says that whatever you are facing, nothing has escaped him. You don't have to post it on Facebook. You don't have to beg to be seen. God says, listen to me. God sees your affliction. But it's not even just that that we want. We, we want people to see us and care, but also under care, we want someone that gets us, right? You don't want just people to see it. You want people that get you. You want people that really get what's going on. You want people to see the affliction, which is kind of the, the trouble that's happening to you, but you want people that get you. You want people that go, I understand. I get it. That's what, we, that's what we really want. Oftentimes, often this actually leads us to gossiping because we want people to really get us. And so we're just like, man, I need to tell somebody what's going on. Sometimes it even leads us to exaggerating things, be like, oh, this happened and this, because we want, we want them to feel the weight of our emotions so much. Sometimes it even leads us to burdening other people because we're like, man, nobody gets me. Because we want them to feel something so deep about us, right? We want someone to really get us. To see it up and down. And here's what he says. He says that he sees our affliction, but it's not just that he sees the stuff happening to us. He, let's just read that. You know the troubles of my soul. I love that you know the troubles of my soul. Do you believe that about God? That he knows and, you know, divinely inspired word of God, plural to that sucker. It's not just you know the trouble, but you know the troubles of my soul. He, he, know, he gets it. Like, that's what we want from other people. We want people to see into our soul. Sometimes such that we exaggerate or lie or gossip or even burden people that we're like, man, you don't get it. But God gets and sees, knows the troubles of your soul. 
He gets the affliction. He sees the affliction, the stuff happening out here, but he also sees inside. He knows the troubles of your soul. And look, I I love this too. You know the troubles of my soul. Because look, sometimes this is what we do. We say something like this. We say, oh man, yeah, you know, other people have it way worse than I have it. Right? You ever said that? Other people have it so much worse. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't, you know, I... Yeah, man, I can't believe I'm even complaining about this. And I, oh, man. And we kind of dismiss what's going on in our own heart, in our own soul. And okay, maybe other people do have it worse than you, but so what? It says, he knows the troubles of your soul. And you can say to God, you know the troubles of my soul. Not just you know the troubles of the world, not just you know the troubles of Denver, not just you know the troubles going on out there and God sees everything and God's omnipotent and omnipresent and he's all over. It's God knows the troubles of your soul. He sees, he knows, he sees the stuff happening to you, your affliction, but he also gets you and knows the troubles of your soul. More than any other person, more than any other personality test can diagnose you and tell you who you are and what you're like. And You ever take a personality, I mean, you know, these things come and go, right? Whether it's the Myers-Briggs or now what's real hot is the Enneagram. And I, those things can be helpful, right? But you know why we like them? Because they explain our souls, we feel like. Or you're like, this is trash. But if you like it, if you like it, you're like, oh, you know my soul paper, you know, or, or screen or whatever. You, somebody gets me. It says he knows the troubles of your soul. He knows in and out the troubles of your soul. He knows the fears that are in your soul. He knows the doubts that are in your soul. He knows the pain that is presently happening. He knows the stuff in the past that's still troubling your soul. He knows the tears that maybe you cried this week and you're like, where did that come from? He knows the troubles of your soul. You don't have to explain it to him. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to validate it with him. He knows the troubles of your soul. You feel misunderstood at all? You feel hard to express yourself? You feel like you want someone to really get it? See, the kind of help that we need is a kind that's powerful, that has a greater ability than us, that's unlimited. But we also need a kind of help that is deeply caring, that's able to see the affliction and know the troubles. We need power and passion. And it says that his love is help. His love is a seeing, knowing, caring, powerful help in and out. God sees you. and God has power. That's the kind of help that we need. So how does, how does he help us? That's the kind of help that we actually need. But how, how, what does he do? How does, how does he help us? And there's two kinds of help that we, that we need. There's two kinds of help that he gives to us. You see, the way that God's help acts into our life, first of all, is that we want an internal help. Because if everything in your life right now went away that's bothering you, if everything went away that's troubling you, if everything went away, if it was just gone in an instant, 
If all the stuff was just, okay, everything's been fixed, there can still be internal pain that's there. Right? So just because everything goes away externally doesn't mean that internally everything is fixed. And we want an internal help. Sometimes Christians say things like, man, God's giving me peace, or you know, I, I know I need to get peace from God, or I know I need to experience God's love, or God's comfort, or God's joy. And yet, in reality, and you got to just test yourself on this, you know, but in reality, we're actually seeking that internal help of peace, of comfort, whatever it is. We're seeking that internal help from other things. Might be alcohol, might be pornography, might be Netflix. It might even be friends, which friends are great, but, but we just kind of, we, we're we have this internal pain, but we're actually even maybe giving lip service to God, getting, trying to get that internal pain resolved elsewhere. Maybe it's just distracting ourselves with doing stuff. We want an internal help. And here's what, here's what he says. This is another, the third Psalm. He says, who stands up for me against the wicked? Who takes a stand for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my helper, I would soon rest in the silence of death. If I say my foot is slipping, your faithful love will support me. Lord, when I am filled with cares, your comfort brings me joy. You see what he says here? He says, when I'm filled with cares. So that's that internal help that we want and the internal solution that God gives when I'm filled with cares, your comfort brings me joy. Here's what, here's what God is saying. I know your heart is heavy. I know your heart is full. Think about, maybe this describes you right now. And you would just say, I am filled with cares. At work, at home. I'm just filled. Like, you ever eat too much chips and salsa and you just feel it? And you're just like, oh, I'm filled. Like, what about, maybe your cares are like that. Just like, I'm filled with it. I feel it physically in my body. I'm filled with cares. He says, I know you're filled with cares. I know you're filled with cares. And you know what kind of help that I do? You know what kind of help that God gives? He gives internal help. That he brings comfort. So you got internal cares that are filling you. And he says, I want to comfort you. I want to comfort you. My, my kids, the last couple weeks, were sick. My, first, my son had pneumonia, and then my daughter got sick. And, and my wife, some, my, my, my son would be coughing like two in the morning. She'd go in there, lay with him, pet his head, then come back to sleep, then go in there. He's coughing again. And I'm like, man, that is comfort, right? There's a reason they don't call it Dr. Dad, right? They have a Dr. Mom, like people say, but no one's like, oh, yeah, Dr. Dad, right? Because Dr. Dad is, here's some Gatorade in a bucket, you know, like... <laughs> Call, hopefully in the next 48 hours you can come out of your room, but I'm locking it and, you know, I'll slip some granola bars under the door. But, but Dr. Mom is comfort. It's medicine, but it's just that, 
And I don't know what, you, maybe your mom was awesome. Maybe she wasn't around. I don't know. But we, we, we know at least that's what a mom should be, is that comfort, that presence that is just, oh man, stroking your hair, rubbing your back, singing a song. Like that is comfort. And God says, I know, I know your heart is filled with cares. I want to bring comfort. Kind of help that God does. He meets the internal parts of our heart and says, I want to comfort you. I want to comfort all the pain, all the struggle, all the worry. I want to comfort you. You, you know that, man, we talked a little bit last week about God's love. And sometimes the Bible has this language of the greatness of God's love. It's like God's love is higher than the heavens and God's love is deeper than the seas and it's wide and it's, it's long and it's all over the place and it fills the earth and it's this language about God's love. But one of the things I love, back to one of the Psalms that we were just looking at, is it says all of that love rests on us. See, it's not just, don't just think of God's love as it's so big. It is. And all of that love comes and rests on you. He says, I know that's what your heart needs. See, I know in the middle of trouble that your heart needs internal help. You need God's comfort. You need the bigness, the majesty of God's love to come and like a blanket or a mother's touch to rest on you. See, that's the kind of help that God wants to give to us. But it's not just that. God also helps, not just internally, but externally. See, we, we don't just want internal help. We want relief from what we're going through, right? We don't only want comfort. We want the situation to change. We want relief from what's going on. Now, look, this is hard. Anytime I teach on something like this or prayer or something along these lines, it, it's hard because... You have asked God to do things, I bet, if you're like me, you've asked God to do things and he didn't do them. I mean, that's just real, right? Like, we don't have to pretend that that's not the case. You've asked God to do things where you felt like, man, I need help. How is God going to help me? Maybe, okay, I, I do want internal comfort, but man, I want my situation to be different. I want some stuff to change. I want things to be different than they are now. And you have asked God to do some stuff, and he didn't do it. I mean, some of the deepest pain in my life that I am down on my knees begging, weeping, God said no. And probably you felt that at different points in your life. Maybe that feels weird to talk about, and I'm supposed to just be like, yeah, God answers every prayer, but we, you just know that that's reality. You've lived that, which oftentimes what that does then is we rule out the fact that God actually helps in any way externally, that God actually does fix any of the things, right? So we might believe that God gives us peace, but we really even start to doubt that and think that alcohol and Netflix and, and other people might give us peace. Because when we start to doubt that God actually acts out here, we start to doubt that he actually acts in here. But maybe we say, okay, God can do some internal work, but man, the actual solutions, he doesn't really, he doesn't really show up in that way. So, I, man, I, I, I feel you. I know that's hard. I mean, just 
maybe, maybe, you, maybe that hasn't happened to you. Maybe you've got tons of faith and maybe you believe, but just ask yourself, like, what's your, where do you lean? Like, when you think about your situation and where, where stuff is troubled, and you go, okay, how does God help? Do you think that he's going to fix it? Where do you lean? Like, if you just had to choose, yes, I think he's going to fix it, or no, where do you lean? What's your default? Because your default becomes your norm. Your default becomes actually your conviction. If you give lip service to, yeah, God can help, but, come on, he ain't, he's not really going to do that. All I know to do with that is this. I trust God because I know that he reveals himself as helper, because I know that he reveals himself as a loving, good father, because he reveals himself as a comforter, I ask God, God, build my faith because you've said no or didn't show up on things I really wanted you to. But I still am asking you, help me to believe that you do this. Because if my vision isn't tainted, I'm able to see, yeah, but you did show up in this way you did actually change the situation in this way. You actually did externally fix things this way. You see, God helps internally, but he also changes the situation. That's what he says about himself. He says that he acts. He says, this is one of the Psalms that we were looking at, that you know the troubles of my soul, and you've not handed me over to the enemy, but you have set my feet in a spacious place. That's an actual physical action that God picked him up and put him over here and put him in a spacious place of saying, you know, if your feet are all crowded and it's like, man, I don't, this is not comfortable, right? And God setting your feet in a spacious place is being able to say, yeah, that's why some of you like live in the suburbs. You want a spacious place. You want a yard. And God's saying, yeah, look, I'm setting you in the suburbs, right? Like, kind of. He's saying, I'm, I'm giving you this spacious place. That's him actually acting or him rescuing some of the Psalms that we looked at. So that he rescued, he actually shows up and does something. He actually changes the situation. That you need help and you need it internally. And, and that's, God says, look, I'm the internal master. I will comfort you like you've never been comforted before. And God says, but I also rescue. I also set feet in spacious places. I also change things. God says, I can change stuff going on in your life. He says, I'll be there for you. When the rain starts to pour, <laughs> I'll be there for you. I've been there before. It's friends, okay? So, but God says the same thing. It's not just that God's character is beautiful and helper. He also intervenes. He also does stuff. So how does he help? He comforts, but he also changes. I love this. Here's just kind of a little formula. God sees, he knows, and he acts. God sees what you're going through. He sees the affliction. He knows the troubles of your soul. And he acts. He does something. So here, here's the last question then is how, how do we get God's help? If we need a help that is powerful and a help that cares, and the help that God says he brings is an internal help and an external help, how do we get it? 
okay, I, I want that. That sounds great. How, how, do I, how do I get it for what I'm going through right now? Whatever it is that is in your life troubling you where you say, man, if I could have some help, this would be great. How do I get God's help? Whether it's internal or external, how do I get it? Here's what it is, and it's, it's so simple, but we'll, we'll look at it. It's to ask. But think about your life for a minute. What, what describes it more? Complaining or asking God to help? Complaining internally? Oh, man, life is so hard. Man, this sucks. Man, this, is, this situation is so different. Oh, man, this is so difficult. To other people, oh, you'll never guess what happened at work today. Oh, you're never going to guess what my mom said. Oh, my gosh, do we really have to go to that thing? Oh. Complaining? Or actually, in the middle of whatever's troubling you, saying, I'm going to ask God for help. How often are we actually pouring out our hearts to God? What describes us more? If someone was, video, if someone was videoing your heart and your mind, the internal stuff going through, and the actual conversations, is it more complaining, grumbling, or I am asking God? to help me. I'm sharing my heart with him and saying, God, help me. What describes it more? See, we need, we need to pour our hearts out to God, which means to bring him our trouble, to bring him the, every area that we need help, to turn our prayer, excuse me, to turn our pain into prayer. As you feel pain, but often our pain turns into complaint instead of our pain turning into prayer. Let your pain be turned to prayer and say, God, I need your help. And he answers. This psalm says, if I say, if I say, my foot is slipping. And that's just a metaphor. David isn't talking about like, He's like ice skating or something. If I, if I say my foot is slipping, your faithful love will support me. If I say, if I come to God and I say, if I say to God, like, this is a promise. If I say my foot is slipping, you will support me. If I come to God and tell him my foot is slipping, you will support me. Your faithful love, because his love is linked to his help. If I say your faithful love will, if I say my foot is slipping, then your faithful love is going to come and support me. I took my kids on a hike to the Royal Arch in Boulder. This was in the winter, which was stupid. It's a beautiful hike. But it's not good for elementary school age children in con Converse tennis shoes when it's icy. Yes, I'm stupid. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't realize how bad it was until it was like too late, you know. My kids are still alive, like until it was too late, you know. <laughs> and uh, they were slipping. <laughs> and as a dumb father, and yet with some love in my heart that's limited as a human being, 
when they're slipping, of course I'm, I'm carrying them, I'm holding them, I'm using every ounce of strength and every ounce of ability that I have to be able to say, I am going to keep you from slipping. I am going to do my best. If you look at me and you say, Poppy, I'm slipping, I'm going to grab you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to wrap you up and become a toboggan and we're going to slide down these things. Like, I will support you. That's not a joke. (laughs) God says, just tell me that your foot is slipping. Just tell me that your foot is slipping. I just say to me, you want my help? Just say to me, my foot is slipping. Just say, my marriage is slipping, God. Just say, God, my mind is slipping. Just say, my, my ability to handle my kids is slipping, God. My, my worry is slipping. My faith is slipping. Just, God just says, look, just come to me and say. And if I say, if I say, yet God already knows it. And sometimes we don't pray and sometimes we don't talk to him because God already knows. But there's so much stuff in life that God already knows, but he's not going to act unless we ask. God delights in answering our requests and we should never presume that God's just going to do things. God delights in being asked, and there's so much in your life that how do you know? How do you know that, man, the stuff that in your life that you want to change, it might not happen unless you ask God. What might be available to you? What might change in your life? What might actually happen if we said, my foot is slipping? If I say my foot is slipping, your faithful love will support me. God links his love and his help over and over and over again. He says, you know I love you, but listen, because I love you, I help you. You know I'm loving, but because I'm loving, I'm the helper. You know that I am love, but because I am love, I show love. I do love. Just got to say, my foot is slipping. His faithful love will support you. How do we get God's help? We ask. And God answers. His love, his, his love is his help. And his help, I, look, his help might turn you. It, it might turn, maybe you say, God, I need help. And, and then you feel like, man, I need to talk to this friend. And then he actually helps you through their counsel. Or, or you say, I need help. And and, and there's a book that you read that helps you, or, or maybe he's, you say, I need help, and then you're reading the Bible, and, and God actually gives you some stuff to obey, that you want your life to change, you actually need to follow him, because we can't say, God, I need help, and he says, okay, here's what you need to do, and you say, well, I'm not going to do that. He says, well, then I can't help you if you don't obey me. But when we come to God, he says, I will help you. I will help you internally. I will help your situation. I am the helper and I can change things. I've got all the power and all the care. How do you actually do this? 
Sometimes, you know, you can think about this in the whole scope of your life, but just think about maybe tomorrow or today when something is challenging and often we're just busy. You feel, uh, you feel that, or you feel sad, or you feel frustration, or you feel overwhelmed. You feel it, and here's what you do. You just stop. If you're at work, I don't know, you go into the bathroom and shut the stall, or you go into the conference, I mean, you go in your car, whatever, and you just, it doesn't need to be a big, giant thing, but you just say, God, I need help. And you really do what these psalms have done. You remind yourself of who God is. That's what David is doing all throughout these psalms. God, you're the helper. And then you ask him to help internally. God, I need my heart's filled with cares. I need some comfort. And then you ask him to help the situation. It's, it's really not that complex, but we just need to stop and say, my foot is slipping. God, you're the helper. You're the supporter. My heart is slipping here, my, and, and the situation around me is, is slipping, and, and I need you. And you just ask him to help you. You don't try to do it by yourself. You don't immediately go to other people. You don't just try to man up or woman up. or what. You just say, God, my foot is slipping. You need to just listen to some more DMX and just call out and say, I'm slipping. I'm falling. I can't get up. Okay, so if you don't know what that is, go Google it and be blessed, okay? So, <laughs> I mean, what's a sermon without DMX, okay? Oh, man. We've all got trouble, right? We all need help. I know that's such a simple thing to just ask him, but that's what we need to do. Pause and do what David did. Say, God, here's who you are. Here's what I need in my heart. And here's what I'm asking you to work in this situation. I would encourage you to write it down too. So you can actually go back and say, hey, you did do that. You did do that. Um, I just, what if, and what if you actually got help and what you're going through? Wouldn't that be awesome? God says he is the helper. I just wouldn't want us to be a church or a people that is wanting help, and yet there's all this help available to us, and we don't have, we're not getting it. Because you can make breakthroughs, and there can be big change when we actually have help. And God says, I'm the helper. God says, I love you, so I want to help you. All right, we're going to take communion. And um, when we take communion, we remember that Jesus does exactly what we said that God reveals himself as, his helper. That he feels that Jesus entered this earth as a human being and suffered and felt all of the temptations and all of the pain that we feel. That's, that's why it's these physical elements. We don't just come up to like a mystical table or something. We're saying Jesus became, God became human, entered into the trouble. He gets it. He entered into it. He, he obviously then cares, but he obviously acts and does something about it. Jesus didn't just come and say, hey, I just want to feel everybody's pain and now I'm out of here. He says, I want to enter into your pain and feel it to the ultimate degree and I want to do something about it. I want to let my body be broken and my blood shed so you can be forgiven and you can be in my family. That's what we remember. We remember that he is the ultimate helper with power and care. 
Now, I just, man, I, this is just, I just feel this on my heart, okay? So I, a lot of my instincts go against doing this. And I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable here. And so you don't have to do this. But I want to ask you to do something. Because I, I think God wants to meet some people here right now. So you guys can, Nick, can you come up and everybody else? <clears throat> I, I, think, I just think that God wants to meet some of you. And I don't, I don't know who that is. Maybe, maybe you were praying even before you came here, like, God, I need some help. Maybe it was this week and you were struggling and were just like, man, I need some help. Maybe it's just in this sermon in particular you feel God speaking to you. I don't know, okay? And maybe nobody. I don't, maybe everyone's just going to peace out or whatever. But I, I think that some of you really feel like you need God's help. And don't do this yet. But here, and you don't have to do this. I don't want anyone to feel any pressure. And it's not like God's not going to answer your prayers if you don't do this. Okay, I don't want to do anything that is like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Okay, but, but I, I just think God wants to meet some of you. And maybe this is part of that. Is I'm going to ask you in a second, just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need help. So... I, and listen, maybe you lost your keys and, you're, and you really need them. And you're just like, God, I need help finding my keys. Like, I'm not saying that, you, that it's the, the most awful thing. I, I'm not quantifying it. I'm, I'm asking, like, your heart feels this, that you need God's help, okay? And, and maybe, maybe you're about to go bankrupt, or you did, or you're, I, I don't know, you're signing the papers on something and it's all crumbling. I, I don't know, okay? It can be you lost your keys or bankruptcy. I'm just going to ask you in a second to raise your hand. And, and I'm going to... I'm going to read this that we, that we went over. I'm just going to pray this for you. Because, look, we can pray all the time, but I, I just think some of you right now, God wants you to know how much he is your helper. Okay, so if you feel that that's you, and look, don't break your neck looking around the room, okay? So, but if, if, you feel that, if you feel that this is you, just, would you just, as an act of faith, as an act of saying, hey, my foot is slipping, just raise your hand. And say that you want God's help. Okay, yeah. Okay. And keep, keep your hand up, please. Okay, now, this is step two, and you don't have to do this either, okay? But if you know them, and you're next to them, can you just put your hand on them? And maybe you all have your hands up in the same row, okay? But... but <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, you, you got two hands, though, right? God bless you for this moment. So, okay, so just close your eyes, and I'm just going to pray for you, okay? So, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to pray. It says, who stands up for me against the wicked? I don't know, you know, I'll just read it. Who, who takes a stand for me against evildoers? If the Lord had not been my helper, I would soon rest in the silence of death. If I say my foot is slipping, your faithful love will support me, Lord. When I'm filled with cares, your comfort brings me joy. 
And God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you reveal yourself to be helper. You say that you're the helper. And so, God, you see the hands that are up. You see the hands that aren't up. But God, you see people saying, I need help. You, Holy Spirit, say you are the helper. And so I ask you even right now, what the psalm said, that your love would rest on them. The people with their hands up, God, and all of us, but Lord, please, the people with their hands up, let your love rest on them right now. Let them even physically feel your love. You say you see our hearts filled with care and your comfort brings us joy, and so I'm asking for a supernatural experience of your comfort. You say, Jesus, that you were going to send us the helper when you left, and we wish you were in this room right now. But you said the Holy Spirit was here, and that he's the helper. And so I ask God for those people in this room that know they need help, that are saying, my foot is slipping, that right now your faithful love would support them. God, change what's going on in their life. Change the internal heartache, change the cares, meet it with your comfort, but change the situation, I pray, God. Whether that's work or money or family or sickness or whatever it is, God, change the situation. We're asking you to do something. We're asking you because you say that you are the helper and otherwise we're just wasting our time here, God, but I pray Change hearts and change lives. Build our faith even as we sing and take communion. In Jesus' mighty and helpful name we pray, amen.